This is the What Happened Today podcast, your daily history podcast that tells you what happened on this day in history. Brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network, online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on Facebook and Twitter, at Prod Leisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and what happened today, October 29th in 1618, Sir Walter Raleigh was beheaded in the old palace yard in the Palace of Westminster for the crime of treason. There have been few people in history like Sir Walter Raleigh. In his life, he was a landed gentleman, a soldier, a mercenary, a poet, a court favorite, an explorer, a pirate, a spy, a national hero, and a traitor. It was quite a lot to put into his 65 years. Raleigh was actually executed for treason after he had already had a pardon from King James I of England. He actually managed to be someone who got a death sentence reimposed on himself. And just 20 years before he was executed, he was one of England's most famous and notable men, a hero to many, and an almost legendary figure. But in history, legends don't often stay legends. Reality has a nasty way of coming upon them. And in Raleigh's case, it was really a shift in monarchs that shifted his reputation. Raleigh was born into a prominent family in Devon, in the west of England, who were well-known Protestants. However, he was born in about 1554, at the time when England was ruled by a Catholic queen, Mary. Coming on the heels of the English Reformation, installed by her father, Henry VIII, and carried on by her younger brother, Edward VI, Mary was trying to return England to Catholicism. Families like the Raleigh's were targeted. But in 1559, Mary passed away and was succeeded by her sister Elizabeth, who returned England to Protestantism and favored families like the Raleigh's. As a young man, Sir Walter Raleigh actually served in the Queen's armies in Ireland, suppressing rebellions and becoming a hero to certain kinds of Protestants. He then would become a landowner in Ireland because Catholic landowners had their land seized and it was given to men like Walter Raleigh. By 1585, he had been knighted. He was just about 30 years old, already a decorated hero, now quite wealthy. This is when he truly became the remarkable figure he would go down in history as. In the 1580s, Raleigh became one of Queen Elizabeth's favorites at court. The court of Queen Elizabeth was quite odd in a lot of ways for Europe at the time. She was known as the Virgin Queen, mostly because she never married. It was always constantly rumored that she had dalliances with a variety of men, although Raleigh never seems to have been one of them. But it meant that there were various power bases. Additionally, in a place that had gone from Catholic to Protestant to Catholic to Protestant just in the previous half century, there were still various people who could climb quite easily through various kinds of favors and from, in Raleigh's case, having land taken from others. And so Sir Walter Raleigh became one of the great figures of Elizabethan England. His reputation was only enhanced when he became one of the early supporters of explorations to the New World. He was granted a charter in 1584 that allowed him to explore, colonize, and rule the remote heathen and barbarous lands, countries, and territories, not actually possessed of any Christian prince or inhabited by Christian people, which actually at the time possibly did not refer to the Spanish, who, being Catholic, did not count as Christian to Protestant England. He had seven years to create something, and he tried his best. Probably with the consent of the Queen, Raleigh's plan was as much to send new colonists there 
as to create basically piracy bases. Just fine little footholds in America at which the Spanish treasure ships going from their colonies in the New World back to Spain could be raided. He actually never went to North America, but he sent people there, most famously to the Roanoke Colony, which would go to what are now the Outer Banks of North Carolina and establish a colony that would vanish after the lost colony of Roanoke was never heard from again. Raleigh kept at it. He was a remarkably fortunate man in the 1590s. He was given brand new houses. After the Spanish Armada was defeated in 1588, he was one of the key figures in the seas. From his base in Devon, he was able to bring out his ship, the Ark Raleigh. But his first real trouble was when he secretly married one Bess Throckmorton. She was a lady-in-waiting to Queen Elizabeth, and 11 years younger than Walter Raleigh, and they had to marry because he had gotten her pregnant. In secret, they tried to live out their lives, but it was hard. Their son had to be given over to a wet nurse but died of plague. And in 1593, the Queen found out that Raleigh and Bess had married without her consent and kept it from her. She sent Bess Throckmorton away from court and put Walter Raleigh in prison. He managed to get out quickly and then to return his favor, captured a Spanish ship. Later, he would be allowed to live with his wife and become a member of parliament. For someone like Walter Raleigh, this seemed par for the course. Meanwhile, he was also becoming one of England's most well-known poets, writing in a style that was going out of fashion. Perhaps his most famous poem was the nymph's reply to the shepherd, a line-by-line refutation of Christopher Marlowe's The Passionate Shepherd to His Love. Raleigh was an adventurer, explorer, and member of parliament. Marlowe was just a writer, getting drunk in bars. It's a strange place to be. And tellingly, this should have been Walter Raleigh's life. He served as an admiral and facing off against the Spanish more and more. He managed to sit in parliament for three separate counties and then became the governor of the Isle of Jersey in the Channel Islands. The reason he had to be there was the location of Jersey allows it to act as a strong naval base to prevent attacks from, say, fleets coming from Spain. And so in 1603, Walter Raleigh was the governor of Jersey when Queen Elizabeth died on March 23rd. And under the brand new monarch, James, who until 1603 was the King of Scotland and afterwards was James VI and I, King of England, Scotland, and Ireland, Raleigh found himself arrested in July. There had been intrigues against Elizabeth, either people who thought that in her advanced age she was causing harm, Catholics who wanted to overthrow a Protestant monarch, and various people who she had just angered. But it seemed that with the arrival of James from Scotland, plotters took even more serious pains to try and get the monarch off of the English throne. And one of these efforts is what got Sir Walter Raleigh arrested. The focus of the plot that Raleigh was somewhat involved in was Arbella Stuart, a cousin of King James, who was supposed to be put on the throne in a plot funded by the Spanish government and Henry Brooke Lord Cobham. It was actually revealed after the by-plot was uncovered, in which a minor plot was found, and then the main plot was seen as the real prize. At trial, it was said that Cobham was going to get a very large payoff to start proceedings, and that he would use his base in Jersey, where Walter Raleigh was governor, to plan it, and that somehow Raleigh and Cobham would split their money. It was a strange thing to say. It's not even clear exactly what Walter Raleigh's involvement in the main plot would have been. 
Certainly the idea that he wanted to put a Spanish-controlled monarch on the throne seemed odd. He was from a notable Protestant family. He had fought against the Spanish Armada and basically led efforts in the New World to annoy and bother the Spanish. He didn't even so much want to send people there as just capture Spanish ships. Nonetheless, he was clearly involved, possibly because Walter Raleigh could never avoid a payoff. And so from late 1603 until 1616, Walter Raleigh sat in the Tower of London as a prisoner. The nature of prisons at the time can be a bit confusing. A common thief thrown in a jail anywhere in England would have faced dire conditions. Raleigh was a nobleman, a knight, and a former member of parliament. And so he had his own cell in the Tower of London, a fortification and castle, where he could live fairly decently for someone who was accused of treason and put in prison. In fact, he managed to have another child while in prison. And he repeatedly said that he was not guilty of the charges. He was only convicted on hearsay. To pass the time, he wrote a history of the world, which he was trying to impress upon James would be a great value to recognize James's own place in world history. He only managed to get through the history of ancient Greece and ancient Rome by the time he was able to leave the tower in 1616. The son he had fathered while in prison was 12. But part of why Raleigh was able to be let out of prison is that he convinced people around James that he should go back to the New World, to the northern part of South America, because he had heard tales of a city, El Dorado, a city of gold, and that he thought he could find it. And so he went to Guiana. He was specifically told he could not attack any Spanish colonies, ships, or associated people of any kind. And one of the first things that one of his underlings does is attack a Spanish outpost on the Orinoco River. Perhaps most tragically, Sir Walter Raleigh's son, Walter, would die in the attack. And as soon as Raleigh's expedition came back to England, the Spanish ambassador said that Raleigh's death sentence technically still on the books, and since this was a monarch who had absolute power in these things, could be reimposed, needed to be brought forward. And so King James put Walter Raleigh under arrest once again and sentenced him to die. Raleigh possibly could have fought this. He also possibly could have escaped, but maybe he knew that he would just return to these circumstances again. As Raleigh lay ready to have the executioner drop the axe, he's supposed to have said, strike man, strike. He was just that kind of figure. He had actually left behind in his cell a small tobacco pouch with the Latin inscription, Comus meus fuit in illo miserimo tempore, was my companion at that most miserable time. Also, it was a method by which Raleigh became incredibly rich as he was the man who introduced tobacco to England, among much else. In 1618, Sir Walter Raleigh was not one of the great figures of England. He was a former prisoner who had instantly gotten himself back in trouble upon his release. But still, it seemed odd that King James would want to execute the 65-year-old. But it seemed only to heighten Walter Raleigh's legend. Raleigh was the man who was most amazing in fighting off the Spanish. He was a mercenary, a folk hero, a member of parliament, and a poet. He was, in short, unlike anything else. And this extended even to his execution. He was an Elizabethan figure, perhaps so much so that almost as soon as King James took the throne from Elizabeth, he was put in prison. He only experienced about a year of freedom 
in the Jacobean era, before he was executed for treason, which is what happened today, October 29th in 1618. That will do it for today's episode, but as always, please check back in tomorrow for a brand new episode because we are a daily history podcast, and we do put out a new episode each and every day. You can also find all of our episodes on our website, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you are listening to us on either iTunes or Stitcher, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating, and leave a review, because those are the ways that you can help us to get onto charts and be heard by brand new listeners. You can also help us out a bit more directly by going to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash productive leisure, and becoming one of our patrons. On Patreon, patrons give small monthly contributions to support ongoing creative work, like a podcast network. So if you want to hear more of the What Happened Today podcast or any other Productive Leisure Network podcast, or if you want to help us to create new podcasts in the future, please go to patreon.com slash productive leisure and become one of our patrons today. You can also follow us for updates on everything to do with the Productive Leisure Network on Facebook and Twitter at Prod Leisure. Thanks for listening and see you tomorrow.